Thank you for joining us today on the AFT Construction Podcast. And for those of you listening and have been listening, you'll know that the whole intent of this podcast is to bring as much value as we can to the industry uh, from design to architecture to social media marketing. So it's a perfect fit for any small business, any company looking to build their brand and utilize some of the information and platforms out there uh, that can help us do so. And so today we brought on Randy Garrett. And the reason we brought on Randy is she has extensive experience with blogs, with Instagram, Pinterest, and how to build content for your uh, followers that can now catapult your business. And she provided some amazing insights on how all of these platforms have helped her build her business and how she's built those relationships with her vendor partners as well, which is a big part of this, right? And, And so that relationship with the vendors is a big part of her business. And a little background on Randy. She's a Southern girl at heart living in the gorgeous Arizona desert. In 2015, she started her Instagram account as a place to share her design projects. As her account grew, Randy Garrett Design expanded to randygarrettdesign.com, a place where she shares tips for living, life, and style. She was a second grade teacher before becoming a stay-at-home mom to her beautiful five children. Randy Garrett Design allows her to share her passion for design, entertaining, and fashion while still being home with her children. Her college sweetheart and husband of 23 years, Matt, is still her greatest support. Her home has been featured on the cover of Elegant Home and in the pages of Better Homes and Gardens, country French and romantic homes. It's been her privilege to work with some of her favorite brands, including Pottery Barn, Pottery Barn Teen, Frontgate, Bloomingdale's, Wayfair, Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Feluspa, Arte, Italica, and Pom Pom at Home. So again, she has a lot of experience working with these brands. She's going to provide some amazing insights, so you'll definitely enjoy this episode. And one of our big announcements is our podcast today is brought to you by Sub-Zero Wolf. And they are the sponsor of our podcast. So if you're thinking of starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom, no matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community. The showroom is ready to assist you throughout the entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom in North Scotia quite often. In fact, I was just there this week with some clients as we were selecting some new appliances. It's just a few blocks from my office here in North Scottsdale. It's the perfect place to meet my clients, the designer and architect on the project. When we arrive, we meet a showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes helping my clients envision how the appliances might look in their home. The best part is that the customers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to our client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com-showroom. And again, Sub-Zero Wolf, we use them in so many of our projects, great partner of ours, and excited to have them on. So enjoy this podcast with Randy. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast, and I am your host, Brad Leavitt, and we are super excited today to host Randy Garrett. Thanks for joining us, Randy. Hey, thanks for having me. 
So we had to bring you on because, as you know, I'm a big fan of everything you're doing and all of my family. I mean, my wife, my in-laws. I mean, everyone knows Randy Garrett. I mean, they follow you religiously. So let's kick off with this, Randy. You have an amazing following, you know, throughout all your social media. So what platform has been your favorite? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I am partial to Instagram just because that's where everything kind of started for me. And um, I just, I really love that platform for lots of different reasons. Um, it's it's great to really interact with your audience and the community that I've built. And it's so visual. And there's so many different avenues that you can share your content with, whether it's just a regular photography or videos, links to things. It's just, I really love it. I love that I can still communicate with my readers and um, they can communicate with me, ask questions, and I just, I really think it's an amazing platform to spread your work and reach out to people who have similar interests and, and love design. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, with the following that you have and the notoriety, I mean, how is it that you're able to, because you're doing this yourself, right? Are you managing your own social media? I am. I have my, I have two people. I have one who runs my Facebook for me. And then I have uh, one that runs my Pinterest, but I solely do Instagram and my blog and website. And you're so, creating you're creating all your own content for your own blog and website then? A hundred percent, yep. So how, how do you find time? I mean, the one thing, I'm sure you get a lot of people asking questions, especially with your design, right? You're going to get more specific questions from the audience like, you know, right. what kind of candle is this or what kind of um, settee or whatever, you know, all the little chandelier. So how you know, do you find the time to respond and engage with that audience? Well, and that's, and that's exactly it. My husband's always like, you need to get more help, have somebody answer your questions. But that's really where I feel like I connect with my audience. And I don't want to give that up. Um, and you're right, people do have questions that are really specific to something that I need to answer. Um, and so I, my account's kind of interesting. I don't know if every account does this, but it caps off at 20 comments when I so if I have direct messages come in, I only get 20 and then it stops. And so if I don't answer those 20 questions, there could be 50 or 100 that are stacked up that I don't ever see. So I try to answer my questions throughout the day, just kind of when I'm stopped for a second, I, a second I have a minute here or there. I'll just answer as many as I can um, so that I don't get people who don't ever get seen, their questions don't ever get seen. Um, so in the morning, that's the first thing I do in the morning. I spend about 20 minutes answering questions. And then at night when I do my Instagram post, I'll spend about an hour on there answering questions and then just pop on throughout the day to kind of check to make sure that I'm not having an influx of questions. You'll notice too, like when you do certain stories or posts, people will have more questions. And so those you need to be more active and allow more time to be on there. It, kind of when I share more personal things, people will just naturally comment more or if there's a new room that I'm sharing or a new design um, that I've that I've shared people will, hey where'd you get this or hey where'd you get that but also I've tried to train my audience so that they know the answer to the question before they even have to ask it so they know that all of my sources are sourced in the like to know it app or I have them also on my blog underneath a certain tab so that they can just go to those all of the time and not have to ask me where everything every little thing is from. They just have kind of been trained to know I have it sourced for them in various locations so that they can find it without having to, to ask me. Um, so. Well, that that's really smart because that does allow, I mean, some time savings, but I really like how 
it's you behind it because I think that's one of the biggest questions is people are like, well, how do you find time? How do you do that? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's some organization to it, as you've mentioned. I mean, you've, you're very strategic in how you present the content and then how you resource it, right? So then that way it does expedite the questions people are asking. And then in turn, you know, they can still, um, you know, engage with you if they have other specific questions. And and I do agree that it's funny. I mean, there's certain posts, and, and I know I've seen it from my end, where I did one with like a lightweight concrete that was kind of leveling out the house. And I had so many questions from builders and designers about that product. And so there yeah, are like, hey, this is new. What yeah. is this? Tell us about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's so funny. Well, and it is interesting. The more people follow you and trust you, they want to know every detail about you. And so they'll spot things in the background and they'll ask you questions. And if you're approachable and you do respond to people, you start to build a relationship where people are loyal followers. They're not just, um, popping in, you know, whenever Instagram decides to show you, they naturally come to your page and they begin to trust you and feel like they know you on a daily basis on a personal level. And so, And that's what I think is so important with any social media platform is that your readers feel like they know you and that they have a relationship with you. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's true because algorithms will come and change and and totally deplete what you've worked so hard to build. But if you've built a relationship with your readers that they come to you without having whatever platform it is, throw you in their face they will come to you organically and that's the kind of reader and the kind of relationship you're trying to strive to create so that they come to you no matter if you're being shown to them or not, they just organically will come find you. So, and I'm glad you said that because I think that's one of the most valuable things anyone could take a listen to this. Cause I will say, um, you're very approachable, Randy. So when you think about that in any, any account that I can think of that's very personable and approachable and there's a personality and you're really good about that. You know, you're doing stories where it's you. So there's this personality behind it. People feel like they know you. And it's funny when I met you and your husband, right? It's like, I, I felt like I'd known you guys. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I'd seen you on, yeah, I'd seen you on social media. So it's almost like, okay, now this I've seen him on camera. Now I'm seeing him in person. And yeah. so there's a familiarity. And it's funny when you think, when you think about um, effective marketing and sales, right? You need loyal followers. And we talk Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. You know, yep. people that'll buy your music or CD or go to see you in concert or they'll buy your product and say, okay, well, Randy Garrett's doing this. I need to do this in my house. And that's how you build that, you know, that, that presence. Mm-hmm, for sure. So let me ask you this then, because one of the tough things about what you're doing is with most designers, one of the, the feedback I hear the most is, well, I don't really want to give away this product because I've spent so much time resourcing it, or I don't want to give away this paint color because again, I've resourced it and made sure it looks great with my design and there's been time and custom and customer. So how are you balancing, you know, your talent for design and with, and and giving away all your secrets if, you know, that that is an excellent question because design is so very much originality and you're always looking to be different and unique and true to who you are and your style. And so there's things that you keep secret. There definitely has to be because that's just what makes your home yours or your project, your project. So say there is a chandelier that you've spent hours sourcing and finding and you want it to be unique. Don't list that exact same thing, list something similar or say, um, I love to 
do originality through artwork and things that or antique pieces that nobody else can have, but you can source or direct people to find similar things that are the same style, the same kind of look and achieve that sort of same um, design style without having it be exactly what you've done. So I love sharing and helping people, but at the same time, I love to be original. And so you have to always constantly be changing and, and thinking of new, new things and being unique. But um, I think the best way is, like I said, to link something similar, send people in a, on a, in a direction where they're getting something where they feel like it's, you know, kind of the same thing or um, do something that nobody else can have a piece of original art that can't be replicated or duplicated and just, you know, be as helpful as you can. But keep some things close to the best. I think that's totally, totally fine and totally acceptable. Well, I think that's really sound advice. I mean, one thing I've noticed with some of the really talented designers such as yourself is that that exact thing, and you've really put it into good words, is that, you know, I've seen where some designers, what they'll do is say, take a master bathroom. And what they've done is, you know, they have, you know, custom cabinetry um, mm-hmm. that's going in that bathroom, which is something maybe you've seen, maybe it's inset, maybe it's shaker, whatever it may be. But then what they've done is they've done, um, you know, an accent piece of furniture that maybe they've found at, at um, an antique store or something. So they have a natural element in there that's not built, custom built, but it accentuates the space. And so it can't be exactly replicated. Although people can replicate cabinetry, they can't do that to that, you know, that antique piece that you're mentioning. Yep. that's And I think that's what true good design is, is you can't go buy it in a store. You know, certain things you can, but that's what takes design to the next level is finding those unique pieces that really bring heart and soul to a home that just can't be put there any other way. So, yeah. So what's a, what's a good resource for, you know, people I know like in Phoenix, there's a few locations where they have, you know, they're open once a month and you can go in and kind of pick through certain things. I mean, what have mm-hmm. you found? Are there as you're traveling or, you know, visiting these places? I mean, where could people in different markets find a good place to find products such as that? So definitely in travels, visit kind of offbeaten paths and find, you know, just unique little spots. You can ask locals for where they like to shop for antiques. That's a great way to do it. But our best thing that Matt and I have found the most amazing pieces for our home has been on Craigslist. And I don't know that that's necessarily the best place anymore, but we found this gorgeous French armoire that's in my um, office and it used to be kind of like a walnut color and we had it professionally refinished um, sprayed white. So it matches everything else in our house. Um, But we got that on Craigslist and it was from a couple in Scottsdale and it is my most cherished piece in our house. I absolutely love it. And so you just never know what you can find. You just have to search key phrases like French antique or Italian dresser, but you can find some cool treasures, especially living in the Valley with so many older people, you know, people Mm -hmm. pass away, their kids don't want the stuff. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know what treasures they really truly have. Um, but that's, I would say is my biggest secret is Craigslist. Um, also, there's antique shops. If you come to like Sun City, um, they have little antique shops. They're more like, I would say, consignment stores. Those are chock full of amazing pieces that people don't really know about um, because they're tucked away in Sun City. But there's great antique shops and consignment shops that you can find really cool pieces for a good deal. You may have to repaint them or refinish them, but they're um, really affordable really cool pieces that you can find. 
I think that's very good advice. I mean, yeah, whether it be Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, I mean, you know, it's funny yeah. you say that because now that you mentioned that, I've seen, you know, just more and more of these unique pieces you can find. And it's funny because in our market in Arizona, I mean, it's such a big widespread area, but mm-hmm. Sun City, Mesa, Scottsdale, you do have a lot of population where people move here or Midwesterners part-time and that they're getting rid of stuff or moving it on to children. And then you can, you know, utilize that for yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, based on, I know the Instagram is a driver for you because you've had a lot of success on it. You have a great following, great engagement there. Um, you know, what are, what do you see as another platform that's helped boost, um, you know, your platform? Uh-huh. Uh, Pinterest for sure. So Instagram and Pinterest are both, both very visual and I think design, it just, it's just naturally the best place to grow your business because it is such a visual place that people see a pretty room and they want to know more about it. So they'll click on the photo and want to know more. So um, by nature, I think Pinterest and Instagram are both very, very great for growing your business. Pinterest, especially um, I've noticed within the last maybe six months or so has just skyrocketed my blog and my website because one, I have an amazing person working for me who knows and gets it. But um, the content that you put out there is so important. And I mean, if you're you're putting a picture that lo- looks like it's been taken by a fifth grader, nobody's going to want to know more about the photo. It's they've got to be good. You've got to be putting out a good product so that people want to know more about it. Um, so Pinterest, like I said, is such a visual place for people to um, go see what they want what they're looking for, get inspiration, and then want to know more about it. And so um, Pinterest is a great place to, or I guess like it's, a, it's a good st- jumping spot for really propelling your business if if you know how to use it correctly. I think that's really good advice. So what's interesting is that's something I know I need to do better on is Pinterest. And it's the one thing I keep hearing more and more of. I mean, we have a decent you know, following on there, but um, I guess – you know, we only have so much time in the day, right? So you've really optimized. Yep. Let's hire someone who's experienced that can run that platform. You see the benefit. And even though you're not running it, I mean, how are they utilizing Pinterest to enhance your blog and website? Well, let me tell you some advice that I heard from somebody who is very wise. They said, find your platform that works best for you and spend the chunk of your time there. So for me, it's Instagram. That's where I found the most success. I can drive people to my website or drive to sales, whatever I'm trying to do. And then I've outsourced the ones that are not my main focus point. So I would say if you are at a place where you can't um, hire, you know, help focus on the one that is most successful for you and put, put all of the, your, your bucket, your, what do you call it? Your apples in this and that bucket, all your time in, in there. And then the other platforms give what you can. Don't don't lose sleep over those. Just focus on the one that's really truly driving you the most traffic. Yeah, it's great advice. And I was, you know, it's funny that you say that because I think any company, you know, just to key off that is that, you know, as a good CEO, you're gonna understand your strengths and you're gonna utilize that. And then it, maybe it's not even that's not your strength, but it's just you only have mm-hmm. so much time, so you have to outsource certain All aspects right. of your brand and company. And what that's what you've done. Um, so going back to that, you know how. Does Pinterest, how, you know, building that campaign on Pinterest, you know, how has that cross branding been working with the website and blog? You know, are you pinning everything on your website to a Pinterest? Yes. You know, board. So what I do is anytime I do a blog post, um, 
my girl, Allery, will go in and she'll pin all of those uh, pictures from my blog post in certain folders on Pinterest. And then you, I guess now you go in and you, you put, you type in your own description and then you also use hashtags like you do on Instagram. So that's kind of a new thing. Um, but so anytime you're putting new content out there, just go in and pin it. Um, it takes, it doesn't take that much extra time. You just go in and, and you know, and, and pin those organically, or you can use a, an app called Tailwind where it will schedule them for you. Uh, same thing with Pinterest, like Instagram, the algorithms are constantly changing. The rules are constantly changing. See, it's hard and frustrating to keep up on everything, but, uh, there's different things you can Google to find out, you know, what, what you're supposed to be, how many pins you're supposed to be doing a day. But honestly, if all you can do is go in and anytime you do a, a blog post, pin those to a folder and then check back and see which ones are the most popular and repin those maybe in a few weeks. But, um, Really, that's what I do. If I didn't have the help, I would go in and just pin stuff as I'm sharing it and then um, change your little board when people land on your uh, Pinterest profile. Switch that out for the season so that it looks like it's supposed to or things, you know, say it's, uh, uh, I don't know, fall. You, you don't want your board to have spring stuff on it. You make sure that that is, is flowing with what is going on in the world and design at that time if that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah because you have to cater to you know the time of season or the content or you know right. what what the description is of your blog and and i like that because what's interesting about pinterest is i'm sure with your account i'm sure you have a couple million viewers at least that are looking at your boards and pictures and if you're taking a portion of those if they're all hyperlinked to your blog or to your website then it's all those eyes now being transferred to mm -hmm. the messaging you want them to see. Well, and I've had so many people lately saying, hey, I found you on Pinterest. I love your blog and website. Now I go to your Instagram. So Pinterest is a really important um, platform for anybody in the design world because when you're looking for an idea, people go to Pinterest. That's just what they do. They go to Pinterest. I think second they go to Instagram, um, but Pinterest is where they go to find the ideas that they're looking for quick. And so if you're not there, you're missing a huge opportunity to grow your brand, get your name out there and drive traffic to your, des your design website or wherever you want people to go. So it's a and powerful tool. Yeah. And because, uh, I mean, the whole goal here is to capture that audience, right? Like you're trying to capture as many eyes, you know, to, to that same, to Randy Garrett, to Randy Garrett. And so Pinterest Ooh. is an easy way. And I, the one thing I've noticed, it's funny, as you feel the temperature of the marketplace, especially now with everything politically and COVID and everything else. I mean, a lot of people have gotten really tired and saturated the political, the political stuff on Facebook. And you see some of that bleed over, whereas you don't really get a lot of that on Instagram and Pinterest as much. And I see that a lot of people gravitate towards that for yeah. that reason. Well, and Facebook isn't set up so that it, it's not visually appealing. It's, it's more for talking and articles. And so people who are looking for something in the design world, that's not where you go. Um, at least that's not where I go to find things. Cause you have to go through all of this. I don't want to say garbage, but like <laughs> reading material to get to the pictures. And so, I mean, you can scroll for hours on Pinterest and Instagram and it's just like this, feast for your eyes of inspiration and so that's where anybody in the design construction world that's where they're going they want the they want the the easy good inspiration just flowing into their 
fingertips, I guess. So, yeah, I love how you said that. And it is true. I mean, I, you know, I look at uh, my peers or my wife, you know, I say, you know, she's looking for a recipe or she's looking for an inspiration image for something we're doing. It's Pinterest, right? That's where she's finding it. And mm-hmm. how important is it to be on there? So, so going back to the blog, I mean, you've had tremendous success on your blog, Randy. So, you know, how has that impacted your business? Well, so in social media platforms, you can only share a little snippet of whatever you're doing. The blog really allows you to give the entire picture to your audience. And so the blog is just, it lives forever as well, where Instagram people aren't going to scroll back hundreds of photos to find something. So a blog, you can automatically refer people back to over and over to a certain article that you wrote two years ago that's still applicable. You know, people ask me all the time, how do you care for your marble? Well, I wrote an article all about a girlfriend's guide to marble and how to maintain it and how I clean it and um, different things that are my tips and tricks. And so I can just refer people back to that blog post um, just by sending them the link or telling them to search for these words. And so things on the blog, it's just an amazing resource for your readers to refer back to and find information forever. Once you put in the work, it's there indefinitely. And so it's worth putting in the time. And when I first started my blog, I would blog, I was trying to do two times a week just to get as much content out there as I could. And then when things are kind of going and you've got articles to refer back to every holiday, I can go back and say, hey, check out these three Christmas home tours that I did. You know, you can just refer people back to those. Then you can kind of scale back a little and you don't have to do as many um, because you're, you're letting your work work for you. And so the blog is just so important to giving people the information they need and giving you more time, I guess, to not have to keep putting out that that much new content. You can kind of, if that makes sense, like if you put in your time, then you can kind of do new content, but it doesn't have to be as much, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's making yeah, sense, but. It, um, no, it totally does because because there's always an investment up front, right? You're going to have to get a lot of the content, hit some of those keywords, get it out there, but then you can right. refine that content over time. As you mentioned, you know, you're refining um, certain topics and products and, um, design tips, you know, and you can put that and then you can really categorize all this, you know, all of the entries you've done in the past, you can almost collectively put it together as, you know, your top list, right. For this season. And you've done that. And so now you're just kind of working off material that now becomes more advantageous for the consumer. Right. And you can go back and, and, uh, add to those blog posts change. You don't ever want to take pictures out, but you can add new pictures in there. You can add, uh, new text to kind of refresh it. And so those posts are just so valuable forever. Well, one thing I've, I will say just, um, at, you know, to keep building off what you've mentioned, I mean, you, you've alluded to this in the conversation. You just talked about putting content on the Google search and the audience. And what I found is that the very successful blogs, such as yours and others that I could mention, they there's a lot of SEO content, right? So Google, you know, mm-hmm. search engine optimization. And so what I found is I could be searching a topic and then, hey, here's Randy Garrett's blog that comes up as one of the first five, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, I found that we, we've done not as many blogs as we should. I should do more because I see the value and I've seen the value for someone such as yourself. But, you know, I did one on ICF. We did a house of ICF and I did a blog and I've had more people reach out. In fact, one of my landscape architects reached out. He said, hey, Brad, I went to search ICF and it came up, Brad, AFT construction, ICF, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's funny how um, people aren't realizing that, yes, there's an investment of time and you've alluded to that, especially up front. But as you do that, 
that search engine optimization, that's going to help your Google search. That's going to help other keywords that not only help in social media, but your website. Yep. You Google ginger jar and I guarantee in the image search, you will see a ton of my photos because I've shared and written so many articles on ginger jars that people, when they think of ginger jars, they think of Randy Garrett. It's so funny. And I'm not the first one who's done ginger jars and I certainly won't be the last, but because I have so much content and so many SEO words out there, it pulls that up. And so that's absolutely what you want to achieve. It's so funny. So just as you were talking, I just did a quick search because I'm on my computer here and I searched ginger jar and you're on the front page right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I love that. And so, um, you know, how, how so you've I, you've seen success. I mean, it continues to build that brand and now the Pinterest is going back and forth. So is there a certain amount of time? I mean, what would you recommend for someone who's coming in fresh? OK, I need to put some time into my blog. Is there a certain amount of time they should dedicate each week to their blog? Yeah. Um, so that's a hard question because I mean, honestly, a blog post that's written well should only have like between five and 10 photos, 350 words, and it should be pretty easy to read. A lot of the articles that I write are very much, um, not that they're like a Christmas home tour would have 30 pictures in it and tons of, of words that are describing traditions and different things. But so if, if you're doing a blog post that's something more, um, comprehensive like that, those take hours, but on it, on an average, I would say you could, should be spending like two to four hours on a blog post, um, per week. Maybe if you could get two in there, that would be great. I'm such a perfectionist and I'm, it's really kind of a problem, but that's just how I am. I, I enjoy tweaking and perfecting. And so for me, it takes me a lot longer to do blog posts. Um, other people can get them done in an hour or two. It just takes me longer because I want everything perfect. I want it to be I know it's just, it's silly, but I want the pictures to match the text and I want the, everything to just be a treat for the eyes. And so I spend a little bit more time. That's probably not as necessary. Um, and I have five kids at home that are constantly vying for my attention. And so, <laughs> you know, that's, it's a little different than going to the office, getting, cranking it out, you know? And so that's the thing I love about my job though, is I can do it when it's convenient for me. And so, Honestly, if you were to sit down and crank out a blog post, it it should take you an hour or two. And if you could do two a week, that would be fantastic until you get enough content on your blog so that you feel you can be referring back to things like I mentioned. And um, then maybe doing one a week just to kind of keep giving new stuff to Pinterest and Instagram and new stuff for your audience to keep coming back and checking for. So. Well, I think that's really good perspective because it's it can be overwhelming when you're thinking about writing a paper, writing an article, writing writing a blog, right? But you say if you use five to ten photos and three hundred and fifty words, most people can do that. But it seems like you have an advantage there. I mean, what's your background? Because that's one of the hardest things is writing good content. So Absolutely. for you to write these extensive things, there has to be some background that, you know, has given you that catapult to to be a good writer. I don't know. The blog posts that come easier to me are the ones that are more sentimental, I guess, where I'm talking about a piece and that I'm that I've done that I've done because it's connected to something in my past or something that's sentimental. Those just flow. Other ones where I'm trying to figure out how to describe why a certain rug should be the certain dimension. Those are harder for me. Like I, it's just it just flows better when it has some sort of sentiment. And those are the ones people really connect to. So, um, yeah. So, Did have you, you always loved writing? Yeah. Have you always loved writing? I mean, has that always been natural to you? Um, I love to talk. And so I guess that kind of (laughs) connects into writing, just putting those words on paper. I've always written in a journal and I've 
took, you know, English classes in high and college and things. And one of the assignments I had was you had to write in your journal 30 minutes a day. I loved do, doing that. And I just wrote most, you could, we could write about anything that we wanted to. And so I guess sometimes when I write my blog posts, I think about those journal days. And like I said, that's when stuff really starts to flow because I'm writing like when I shared my fall home tour last year, I connected the colors that I used for my fall home tour with a memory that I had when I was in college, when I lived in Idaho and the wheat fields were golden and the skies were so blue. And those were kind of like the colors that I chose and everything just flowed. Like it just kind of flowed. And so if you can sort of tap into the inspiration, like why you chose something and then sort of let that flow out onto the paper, I don't know, It that's just beautiful I guess and that's what people really connect to they, if they feel more a part of you and a part of the journey when you can make sense yeah <laughs> it, it makes complete sense well I think you know for anyone that's creative you know when, as, as you're speaking to I mean to do design and blogs and 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 to write with that talent I mean there's some creativity and you have to be able to whether you're optimizing you know the senses around you or visually things you've seen you have to put that on paper and get in that creative element so and I think most people can relate to that they may not know why you know it mm-hmm. speaks to them but but because you're bringing that into them, that context, you know, that helps them kind of bridge that connection. Yeah. And I feel like it helps them see the beauty and inspiration anywhere. That inspiration can come from anything. And when you connect it to something that means something to you, that design becomes so much more than just a vase of flowers. You know, it becomes a memory and something that really adds heart and soul to your home and to the project. So. Well, I know one important part, you know, as we kind of, you know, of all this, you know, we from your creativity of the blogs and stuff, you know, there's an element now where you've introduced, you know, some of the branding and partnerships that you've built, you know, so how did how did that start? Because I know that you had a lot of success with Instagram and Pinterest, you know, how did the brands start to play a role with some of the work you're doing? So anytime I really have an interest in working with a brand, I start to build a relationship where first you follow them, comment on their posts and, you know, start kind of building this relationship through the platform. Um, my, one of my very first brand collaborations was with Pom Pom at Home. Um, I had a few of their bedding pieces and so I styled them, tagged them in the photos. Well, the more I got to know them and I went to market and met them, I went to um, their home and met, you know, ate dinner with them and met their family. And it's become so much more than just a brand partnership. It's now a friendship. But it all started with just following them, commenting, starting a relationship, really. And so um, anytime you want to start with getting a brand uh, attention, I guess, is to tag them in the, the, the content that you're sharing that features them and then they will they will notice you and make sure it's good content make sure it's good worthy great photos and um they'll start to notice you and if, if it's a brand that's smart they will want to partner with you and when I started out I would just do things um for for product and that was great because my following that's what it merited but then as my following grew and my influence grew then I could start charging for the content that I put out there. I take all of my own photos. And so I, I really pride myself in the start to the finish and giving the brands exactly what my brand is and what is, I guess, what's the right word, like um, the same as what they're looking for so that it's just a cohesive um, collaboration for both, for both parties. And um, 
brands. I just, I really have loved working with some of my favorite brands. I've made some really amazing friendships and, um, it just all starts with something small and, yeah, it does. And I love that you broke that down. It's funny. I, I couldn't even take notes fast enough. You had so many points oh, in there sorry. I wanted to capture. <laughs> no, no, that was perfect. It was really well said. Because what I found is, you know, there's a couple of points you made that I think are really important. You know, often it's asked, well, hey, Brett, you know, I want to, you know, I'll have subcontractors that want to reach out and maybe do business with us or, you know, architects, designers. And they say, well, how do you you know, get in with a certain architect or builder. And and I found it very similar to you. You know, when I was starting my company, being a little younger and trying to get in with some of these architects, is it's you talked about building relationships. And I think that's so important in life, right? That you're like, you know, I'm tagging them, I'm supporting them, I'm commenting. And so it's not something that's overnight. It took time to develop mm-hmm. these. And then it evolves into the personal value, right? That you're meeting with them, you're having dinner. It's a name-on-name basis where now, okay, you know, Randy is, you know, the personality and she's like the, the, the ambassador that we want to partner with because we have, we have that same synergy. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important for anyone to understand because that cold solicit or just, Hey, Randy, I want to, you know, collaborate with you or do this. Like, you know, you're not going to be as more prone just as people reach out to me, you know, without that six months of relationship that's been built to that point. Absolutely. Yep. And, yep, it and takes time. it just does. It, does. it just takes time. And some brands aren't aren't used to this way of advertising. Honestly, you know, this is this is new. Five years ago, when I started, I would say ninety five percent of companies did not see the value in social media marketing. They just didn't. And so that's drastically changed just within the last five years. Um, brands are starting to realize, oh my goodness, we need to jump on this bandwagon. This is how people are shopping. This is how people are getting their inspiration. Yeah. And so. It's been amazing to see the transformation um, in the marketing world, just changing from everything being on TV and magazines and commercials to now it's social media. People get their information from social media, and it's really cool. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, you kind of jumped into that because I was going to ask you one of the notes I had here was, you know, ask how that relationship as an influencer with these partnerships and brands has evolved over the years. Because when you think about, you know, marketing, you know, we hear the cord cutting, right? Everyone's like cutting cables. So commercial is different. Everyone has a smartphone now. So 90% of the information they're consuming is on their phone. And so the way we consume and the way advertisers are looking at things is much different. And I'm sure you've seen that evolvement you know, that yeah. evolution over time as you've worked with these brands. Yeah, I absolutely have. It, it was so funny when um, a few years ago when a brand would be interested in collaborating, I'd have to go through the whole process of explaining the benefit, the value of, of, of social media marketing and blogging and everything. And um, so, so many of them didn't get it because they just, it was so new. They were just sort of skeptical, but um, that's become so much easier. People, they get it now. And so it's, it's, it's great. Well, I'm sure it's evolved too, because at the beginning, you know, as you're building it, you know, you're reaching out to brands and you're developing those relationships. And then you get to a point, you know, where brands are probably reaching out to you saying, Hey, you know, we see the engagement in the audience for Randy. And so we want to be a part of that. Right. So what are, when you're working with these brands and, and, and especially now with so many, you know, how have you seen, um, like, what are they looking for, you know, from a national and local perspective? Honestly, it kind of depends on the brand. Some brands are just looking for sales and others are looking for um, 
more uh, content that they can reshare or just getting their name out there. So honestly, each brand is kind of different in their their goal set. Um, but I would say most of the brands I worked with work with really want to grow their exposure. They want to get their name out there. They want more eyes on their brand so that that translates to sales. And I always tell the brands too, that, um, you have to realize that you may not see a huge dollar return strictly from this one collaboration. You have to remember that this collaboration will continue to send in dollars over time because the more and more that brand is mentioned, the more and more the brand is, um, seen on my my feed and on my website the more people recognize it and say oh I remember when she showed that bedspread two months ago oh now she's got the pillows oh I should go to them next time I'm looking for bedding so it's kind of it's not a one and done these brands you really want to build a relationship where people over time um see it over and over and then want that in their home if that makes sense like you it's it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like buying a car. You don't want to just go to the lot and buy the first one you see. You want to try them out. And then, you know, when you're really, really ready to make that purchase, then you're going to go back and think, okay, I had a really good experience in this car and I did my reviews. And it's kind of, that's kind of how this works as well. People, maybe they don't need a couch right when you're showing that room, but in a few months from now, when they need one and they remember that you had that room reveal, they'll go back and look at it. And so, um, Brand partnerships are kind of that same way where your exposure is so invaluable because the more you've shared and more the, the more people are hearing that name, the more it's going to start sticking and the more that name becomes familiar to them and it becomes a part of their life as well. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny when you, when you st do any study of sales, right? They always say, you know, any consumer needs like seven visual yeah. interactions with that yep. brand right and that's what you're alluding to that there there's a constant remembering oh yeah i've seen these throw pillows i've seen this bedding i've seen this life fixture from randy you know seven times and then finally i'm i'm ready to purchase or i've seen it mm -hmm. seven times so now it's in the back of my mind now i'm ready to consume i'm ready to make that purchase yeah exactly so you know you talked about this earlier in the conversation too and something i just learned in speaking with you is that you do your own photography so how did that come about um <laughs> I don't know. My dad, honestly, is, we would joke as kids. I mean, we'd stop every five minutes because he'd get out of the car and go take a you know, picture. And so we're just <laughs> dying. But my dad really instilled that love of photography um, in me. And so I've always had a camera, always, you know, done whatever, but I would always take pictures of my kids, not so much my house, but I've always loved design. And so when I started my Instagram account, that photography love, I guess, just kind of blossomed. And the perfectionist side of me really started digging deep and trying to figure things out. I've never taken a photography class. I've never, I honestly don't get the, um, aperture speed. I don't, I don't get any of it. I, it sounds so silly and stupid. I just don't, my mind doesn't think that way. I play around with it until it's right in my eye. And then I, I go from there. So it, I'm so backwards, but, um, I love it. That's my favorite part of my job is styling and photographing. If I could just do that all day long, <laughs> the happiest girl on earth. I just love it. It's so fun to me. Um, but really it's just kind of grew from my dad, I guess. And I just, that's amazing. I, yeah. I don't know how you do that because anyone that knows, you know, photography is key to any business, right? And you alluded to this. I mean, to have a successful, um, Instagram or Pinterest or blog, 
you know, photography is something you should invest in, whether it be time or money. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never guess you do your own because now that even takes questions I have to a whole new level about managing everything <laughs> you have. Because we all know anyone that's done any Photoshop or editing, you know, there's a lot of time involved there to create is. that content. Yep, there absolutely is. I And so I use Lightroom for most of my photography. Um, I'll import it. And then I don't even use presets. I have a couple things that I like to use. And then I just sort of memorized. I know I sound so grade school. I know that there's so many shortcuts that I should be doing, but this is just what works for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I I need to go in and just create a preset. I know it's easy. I just need to Google it and figure it out. Um, But those are huge time savers. You just edit the whole batch, boom, you're done. But I like to go in and tweak. And I know it's just the perfectionist side of me that comes out, but that's the part I truly enjoy. I love just watching this raw photo come to life and just bringing it back to what it really should look like. And that's my favorite, favorite part. This Well, it, it's really important because one thing that you hear a lot, and this goes back to almost the branding and partnerships that you have, is that they talk about consistency, right? There needs to be consistency in our messaging, mm-hmm. in our sales pitch, in our communication, in the brands that we represent, and even more so in the photography, right? Because the more consistent your pages or the look, you know, people should be able to look and say, that's Randy that's, Gary. Yep. You know? Yeah. And and so there is some advantage to keeping that in-house because now you're creating that consistency of the photo so it's visually striking and it has the same lighting and so that everything flows together. Yes. Yep. And I feel exactly that. If I were to turn that over to somebody else, I'd be turning over part of me because it, it is such a part of my brand. And um, and I, I don't ever want that to, like I said, people to look at that and say, huh, I don't know who that is anymore. I want them to know that that's mine because – I had my hands all over it. You know, I just, I want, I, I just love that part of it. Well, I, I have to ask this because, you know, what's, I, I think any listener is going to be like, okay, so now the pressure's on. We have Andy, mom of five, you know, she's blogging, she's Instagram, she's doing her own photography, designer, you know, so how did, how has this evolved? Like, what's your background? Were you always into design? You know, is that natural to you? You know, mm-hmm. what brought you to where you are today? I've always loved design. I wanted to go to, be an interior designer, but the college I went to didn't have that degree. And I really wanted to go to that college. So I chose elementary education. I've always loved children as well. So I got my degree in um, elementary education. I taught school second grade until my first son was born. And then I always thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to get my interior design degree when my kids are grown. Um, And so when my youngest Jack turned three, I started thinking, man, he's going to be in kindergarten. What am I going to do with my time? And so I thought, maybe I'll go back and get my degree now in interior design. Um, but I've always also always wanted to write a book uh, because it sounds like I'm jumping all over, but it all kind of ties together. So tradition is so important to me. But we grew up having every month we had really cool traditions that we did in our home. Most of them revolved around food. Some revolved around decorating. And so um, I always wanted to write a book about traditions throughout the year, food, decor, everything, which is what I share now on my, on my website, just a little bit of everything. Um, and so my sister-in-law said, well, who's going to buy your book if they don't know who you are? And <laughs> I thought, oh, that's true. And so she's like, well, you should start a blog. And I just laughed. I said, I'm not starting a blog. That's ridiculous. And so instead I thought, you know what, maybe I'll start an in- Instagram account and I will just sort of share whatever projects, recipes, design projects I'm doing in my house. And I'll just kind of share that. And when, you know, when I start maybe going to design school, then I'll have kind of a portfolio for to show clients. 
well, um, I didn't want to tell anybody because I thought if it doesn't do well, or I just didn't want people to think that I was like, oh, look at me. I'm sharing all this wonderful stuff about me. I, I just didn't want it to be that. I just wanted it to kind of be my own private thing. Well, when I set up my Instagram account, there's a button that you can push. It says something about Facebook. And I clicked it wondering what it was. Well, what it did is it sent all of my Facebook friends an invitation to follow me on Instagram. And so (laughs) I inadvertently invited all of my friends and told them all that I was doing this Instagram account without knowing or wanting to. And so that just kind of helped me. It just pushed me over the edge and just, okay, now it's not a secret. This is what I'm doing. And it just kind of grew. And from there, I just, I don't know, have done more and more with design. And I guess to answer a question, I have zero, zero background in design. My mom's an artist. My grandparents are artists. And so I think it's just kind of part of who I am. I've always loved it. And I think it's just something that's in me. Um, but it's just I don't have any technical background, I guess, in the design world. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when you think about good design, you know, I found that either you have it or don't, right? Some people just they have the design. They, they may not do all the um, the background work, you know, like the cat or whatever, but they understand good design. They know what looks good visually. And and, and even more than that, you know, design is a lifestyle, right? And you've alluded to mm-hmm. that, that, hey, it, you know, the content you're putting out there, it's not specifically just, hey, here's some interior design tips, but there's a lifestyle, there's traditions, there's, you know, recipes, there's photography, you know, design and products that I'm working with. And so it's this whole lifestyle that, hey, we, you know, how can we incorporate those traditions? And now it creates that engagement from your followers to all the social media platforms and the blog that there's tips that all of us can apply to our own families and children that I think just creates that, um, that goodness that's out there. Yep. Well, and you're creating homes, you're not creating showrooms, you're creating a home for people to actually live in. And you want that home to be a story that is part of that family. And so I don't know. That's just design is a journey and it should be a special journey for whoever the person is that you're designing for. And it should reflect the heart and soul of, of the person that you're designing for. And anybody can go to showroom and pick up furniture and it's going to feel wonderful and beautiful, but it's going to feel cold unless it has that layer, those layers that are just put in over time through things you picked up, the stories, the memories and the tradition that really go into um, good design. So, so where you are now, you know, and this is always a tough question for people. I mean, here you are now and you have the successful branding you've built, you know, what would you have changed maybe early on as a small business or entrepreneur? What would you have wished you had known then, you know, starting out? Um, I guess when I started out, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what my goals were. I didn't know. I just, I didn't know any, I didn't know my how to set my plan in motion because I had no plan. And so um, I guess that's still kind of what I do now. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I just kind of, today I feel like I'm going to post this or next week I'm going to do this. And I think I would really do better if I had more of a, of a business plan, I guess. Is that, what's, what do you call that? A, a Yeah, a business plan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but again, it can evolve. And I think that's, you know, some people, it's funny, as you think about small business and entrepreneurship, a lot of people obsess, well, I don't have a business plan and this, and, and it is important, right? We need some sort of guideline, but some things, mm-hmm. some, you know, things evolve though too. And what you've learned is that over the years, you know, you've kind of hit your stride and you know, your talent, you know, your audience, you know, your demo there, and you've, 
you've kind of fallen in line of where you want to be. Well, and I think right now my main focus is my children. I don't want to immerse myself in my job. My, my, my first priority is my children. And so I think that's kind of been my job is sort of, I guess this has just kind of been more of a hobby for me. And when you have a business plan that makes it more of a job. And right now I don't feel like my, my work is a job. It's more of a passion. So, well, it can't get any better than that. You know, I mean, be able to, um, position yourself that at some point, you know, once, you know, you've had that time with the children and, 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 you know, enjoying all the hobbies and everything you're doing, you know, that now you can optimize a couple other things, you know, that's something to look forward to for sure. So what's next and exciting, you know, for Randy Garrett design? Well, um, this week we're announcing that we're building our new home. So that's going to be taking (laughs) up a ton of time and energy. We've been working on that for the last two years, but we've kept it quiet. Um, so we broke ground a couple weeks ago and we're moving forward on that. So that's kind of taking up all of my time and energy. Um, did the architecture, the land, everything from the ground up. I've worked with a fun architect and but that's just taken a ton of my time. And so once the home is built, I would love to start focusing on my book and a Randy Garrett design um, line of whatever. We'll, we'll see. But that's right now my energy is all spent on the home. And then I would really like to focus on my book and a Randy Gert design home line. So that's amazing. Well, anyone that's built a home can say, you know, how much, you know, especially what you allude to. I mean, all of us can now follow along and visually see, and I'm sure you're going to give us updates and, um, you know, talk about different products you're using and design and why you're doing what you're doing, but they don't see, as you mentioned, that year and a half, that two years of preparation, right before you even get to the break ground. Well, and we, I didn't want to share that because that's not the fun part. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to see the hours spent at the drawing table figuring out, you know, where the bathroom's going to go. So this is the fun part. And I figured this would be the better time to share it and bring everybody along on the fun part of the journey. And yeah, it's going to be a lot well, of fun. I, I can tell you, we can't wait to follow along because your home is just outstanding. And to see now that you can put your own creativity from day one and create it yourself you know, so where can our listeners find you? You know, where can we follow along on this amazing journey? And then, of, of course, look forward to your book here in a few years. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> so I'll be sharing things in my stories. I don't want to overload people with, oh, look, we're putting up the wall in this room. You know, so I'll do kind of a maybe weekly or biweekly, um, bimonthly uh, update in my stories. As things come in, you know, things it'll probably be more often. But um I'll definitely share in my Instagram stories and I'll do blog updates um, every so often as well. But for sure, check out my stories because that's where you'll find most of the information. I love doing stories. I feel like that's my favorite part of Instagram. But um, yeah, so check out my stories and I'll take you behind the scenes and along on this crazy journey. Well, Randy, I can't thank you enough for making time to join us today. And we'll make sure for all the listeners, um, we'll tag your your uh, website and blog and social media handles. That way everyone can find you. So thank you again. I know you're busy to make time for us today. Well, thanks for asking me, Brad. You're really good at what you do. And I feel just really privileged to, to call you my friend. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks, Randy. Thanks so much. So big thanks to Randy for coming on and spending that time with us today. And just some of the show notes, you know, she spoke a lot about the importance of that relationship, and that's important in any part of our business, whether it be our interaction with our clients, uh, you know, our trade partners, and 
you know, designers, architects, and everyone that we're working with, it's really important to build that rapport and relationship. And, and it goes even a step further as we're working with brands and other companies that it's super important that we start out, build those relationships, have that camaraderie, uh, that mutual support uh, mindset, and then that can evolve into, you know, product placement as we're working with them on our different projects and, and finding that uh, similar branding, you know, that, you know, that fits our program as well as theirs and then help that exposure nationally. So great insights by Randy and um, really love hearing her story, how she controls her own blogs and photography. If You know, we've spoken about this. Photography is such an important part of every project. And of course, she reiterates that to have that same look and vision as you're putting that together. And, you know, blogging is just a huge way to capture eyes to the content that you're doing. So big thanks to Randy. Big thanks to our sponsors at Sub-Zero and Wolf, you know, the showroom there in Scottsdale. So make sure and take a visit next time you're around. And again, thank you for all the support. Please like, comment, subscribe. Really helps us a lot and give us that five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify.